The American POTUS Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit show supported by listener patriots just like you. To help us keep the program going, please join others around the nation by considering a tax-deductible donation. You can make your contribution and see what exciting plans we have for new podcasts and other outreach programs at AmericanPOTUS.org. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Coming up on American POTUS, Gadsby's Tavern in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia. A long line of our nation's first presidents all tipped a drink, gobbled up some food, and danced the night away at this historic spot. And while having a good time was important, it was also the place where some of our early nation's most famous founding fathers got down to business. They met to hear the latest news of the day, and they schemed to make news of their own, coming up with the ideas for a new nation that we still enjoy today. The place to see and be seen. We're visiting Gadsby's Tavern Museum on this special episode of American POTUS. I'm Scott Brunn. With the help of presidential scholar Alan Lowe, we're opening the book on the men who have held our nation's highest office. By sharing their challenges, their stories, and their personalities, we hope to add some clarity and perspective for today's heated political conversations. This is one of eight episodes in our special American POTUS Road Trip series, a chance for us to share some of Washington, D.C.'s most significant presidential sites. We hope you enjoy these revealing conversations, and they inspire you and your family to visit these important places for yourself. Liz Williams has joined us here at the Gadsby's Tavern Museum in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of D.C. She's received degrees from both Mary Washington College and George Washington University, studying historic preservation and tourism administration. For over 15 years, she's been telling the important story of this amazing town and its influence on the early years of our nation. Liz, thank you so much for welcoming us to Gadsby's. I'm ready for some rum punch. Let's go. (laughs) Bring it. Liz, this beautiful place, thank you so much for having us here on American POTUS. But before we talk about the many presidents who have dined here, have been to Gatsby's Tavern, let's talk a bit about the the history of the place. So when were the taverns first established? And tell us about their founder. So Gatsby's Tavern Museum is actually comprised of two buildings, the 1785 Tavern and the 1792 City Tavern and Hotel. So both of these buildings were financed by John Wise, but the City Tavern was really made famous by its namesake, John Gatsby. So, and, and John Gatsby, we were talking a bit before we uh, started the episode today, he has a very interesting history himself. Well, what, tell us a bit more about what, what he did in addition to this wonderful tavern. Well, I feel that's a whole other podcast of <laughs> right. uh, John Gatsby's hotelier um, history, but he really made a name for himself here and then uh, took that knowledge and skill set and, and, and moved to Baltimore and D.C. to other hotels. So he has uh, brushes with... Uh, Francis Scott Key and Andrew Jackson and many different pieces of American history you can see through um, his hotel business. So I've always loved Alexandria. Can you tell us what it was like when the tavern first opened here? So since we have two buildings, I have to give you, you know, two different perspectives. So in 1785, we had just defeated the British. And really the question was, what are we doing now? Now what? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were under the Articles of Confederation, and America was really just getting her sea legs at this point. Alexandria was a busy transatlantic seaport at this point, and we were the seat of the county government. Now, by 1792, things had progressed. 
the federal city had just been established, and Alexandria was part of that. And we had the Constitution that's been around for about four years at this point. And um, all of this facilitated a really big economic boom for the city. Can you describe the tavern for our listeners? We're sitting here looking at this, this beautiful place, this beautiful museum. And So we are in the historic ballroom in the 1792 uh, building. In 1792, okay. Some would say the most famous room in the tavern. And, and why is this room the most famous? So this is the room where George Washington celebrated his birth night ball, so really his big birthday party in 1798 and 1799. So how, how many rooms total are there in the, the, the two taverns, do you know? Um, really depends on the time frame, but like the 1785 building, we are often fondly refer to it as the smaller building. Mm-hmm. For when you look at a picture of the complex, you'll see it's the shorter one. It is a Georgian architecture, so you'll see nice symmetry and some really lovely decorative work on the outside. And then the taller building is our 1792 City Tavern federal-style architecture, taller, uh, a cleaner look, but a little um, asymmetrical. And the I usually like to talk about the tavern spaces um, with the floors. So your first floor is really your food and beverage spaces. There's public and private rooms on in both of these uh, taverns. The second floor is your entertainment space, so where you're partying, and some lodging rooms in the 1792 building. And then really the third and upper floors are your lodging spaces. So that's kind of how you can um, distinguish the spaces in the taverns. Who would have worked here? What was the staff? Who 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 made this place run day in and day out? Well, the majority of the work uh, was done by enslaved labor, men, women, and children. Tavern keepers also advertised for additional help, so they would hire free and enslaved people for specialized tasks. So there's a lot to do in a tavern. So you're taking care of horses because that's how you're getting around places. You had a huge stable in the back cooking, and doing the very dangerous and arduous task of laundry. Just consider there's no washing machines, no dryers. You have to clean with hot water. So you have to get that water hot somehow. So now you have these large roaring fires, large bowls of water that are now boiling that you then have to put sheets into and soap. And then you got to take it out of the hot water and then dry them. So it's, it was a process that the enslaved um, women often ha- would have to, um, to do on a daily basis because you have a hotel and you have a lot of sheets. The one important part we like to emphasize, we actually know some of the names of the people who did work in these spaces because in 1802, John Gadsby was renegotiating his lease with John Wise and he had to do an inventory of all of his stuff. So alongside the list of carpets and silverware there were the names and values of Moses and Tom and Annie and in all we know in 1802 John Gadsby owned 11 people can you can you tell us i mean that almost seems trite to ask after that that revelation but this was a, a place of business where people would come in part to eat and drink and Scott and I are going tonight to the tavern to have a great dinner. I'm very excited about that. Yes. Uh, what kind of food and drink would, would be available back then? So being the major seaport that we are, we had literally everything. Multiple ships delivering things from French brandy to Holland gin. And thanks to archaeology done 
in our back courtyard, we have a general sense of the things that they were eating. So one of the, the top uh, food items was beef. They found a lot of beef remnants, followed by pork and then mutton. We also had access to a lot of local things. So the farmer's market was right across the street from the tavern. And still today on Saturday mornings, you can go to the farmer's market and get your local fresh you know, produce and vegetables. And then we also had access to the Potomac River. So it was oysters aplenty in the 18th <laughs> century. And we know from the archaeology that they ate a lot of oysters here as well. You mentioned earlier the lodgings up on the, the top floor. How many rooms overall were available? So we'll tackle by building. So in 1785, our, our little building, um, there were three lodging rooms, and they could sleep about five to seven white men. You weren't necessarily renting the room. You were renting space. So I always like to tell the story if you're enjoying your rum punch on the first floor and you're the last guy up the stairs, then you're probably sleeping on the floor. Five to seven white men. By 1792, however, things had progressed, and in um, the city tavern there were 14 sleeping rooms and uh, had different levels of fanciness. So think of the reversed penthouse. So all the nicest lodging rooms were on the second floor, and then as you went up, they weren't as nice. And then at this point, there was an increase of privacy offered by these spaces because um, at this time, white women were starting to travel more. So they were looking for this privacy piece. So you can kind of compare and contrast the two lodging spaces when you, um, when you walk through the taverns today. Let's, let's turn to the presidents, our favorite topic on American POTUS. We understand that Presidents Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe in some way visited Gatsby's Tavern. Is that right? That is true. Really an amazing lineup. Let's start with Mr. Jefferson. He had some type of event here after his inauguration. Is that right? It was an inaugural dinner, not necessarily a ball. And um, I love this story because when you read through some of the primary documents, you can read through the lines that John Gadsby and his enslaved staff had to pull this event together very quickly because I think there was a lot of play about when Jefferson was coming to town. So you kind of need to plan on a date. And if you have no date, then it's kind of hard to plan. (laughs) So they were able to pull it together quickly once they decided on a date. And it was right after the tumultuous election of 1800. So you can just imagine, and it happened in this historic ballroom, Jefferson and Burr in the same room, winner, runner up, coming together for the nation, I'm sure Burr had to, you know, kind of yeah. bring himself up to, you know, be <laughs> right, able to right, handle right. it that night. But, you know, that that dinner happened in this space, and I'm sure there was no tension between the guys. No, not at all. It was a lovely yeah. night, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned Washington had a birthday party here. Do we, was he here on other occasions? He did. Um, since he was local, he did pop in and out. You know, he wrote in his journals a number of times. But, you know, the most the f- most famous event was definitely his, his birthday parties here. And we... Um, interpret that event every year. And we have really great references to the 1798 ball, thanks to his step-granddaughter. And she wrote a friend about how they were dancing till two o'clock in the morning and um, what a great festive evening it was for her grandparents. We know he loved to dance. Great dancer. Yeah. (laughs) Now, would Washington have stayed here afterward or would he have gone home? 
Yeah, and remember, he had a townhouse around the corner mm-hmm. from us. So, and you know, wasn't such an easy um, drive slash carriage ride from here to Mount Vernon, depending no on the weather. On the exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if the weather was bad, or you know, he probably would have just hopped over to his townhouse and then um, went back to Mount Vernon the next day. Now we know John Adams was the first man to uh, first president to live in the White House. Did he use the opportunity to come down here and have dinner, or do, do we know what his presence was at Gatsby's? So he had dinner here in June of 1800, and I'm super bummed at the newspapers that didn't write out all of the full menus of things that they ate at all of these public dinners. We just know they had them and, you know, some of the people who attended and, of course, all of the toasts that were given at the dinner. So this is a very important part of your dining experience in the 18th century. So I have no idea what John Adams ate, but I know what he toasted ah, to the group. Tell us. So in June of 1800, he said, um, Alexandria, may it become intimate in commerce with its namesake in Egypt. Oh, okay. Yeah. little history lesson there. Okay. Very good. And geography <laughs> lesson. I like it. Very nice. Now, I wondered, James Madison, I understand, was here. Uh, can you tell us? the circumstances of that and was was the tavern affected by the war of 1812 did did the british come this far when they were in washington wreaking havoc so um, madison had dinner here in may of 1809 and his toast was a little bit shorter prosperity to alexandria that's very nice yeah okay Um, well, he was shorter. He was. He was. Thank oh, you very much. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That that, that's. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll be over here in the corner. That's, that's, please, yes, just stay there for a night. while. We'll tell you when you can come back on, Scott. <laughs> as far as the War of eighteen twelve goes, uh, Alexandria did. Uh, we surrendered. The British were uh, here in our river. Our citizens woke up to three large British ships cannons pointing to the city and our mayor at the time was like nope nope <laughs> we're, we're we're good we're good you can take what you need and then you know thanks it was not a great time to be in alexandria or in this region in general but our our town uh stayed intact do we know if dolly madison was here as well i don't have any references to dolly no primary documents yet but you, know, you never know what's in an attic somewhere but I assume, I hold that back, I take that back. Most likely she was with him at his dinner in May of 1809, but the, since she didn't give a toast, I don't know for sure. So if I find her journal that says, I had a really great dinner right, right. in May of 1809 at the City Tavern, then we'll know. That will be it. What about James Monroe? So he didn't have dinner here. He just um, came to visit the mayor and the citizens on his way to Fort Washington. So the newspapers tell us he stopped by the city tavern and greeted the mayor and city council, waved to Alexandria, and then uh, continued on his way to Fort Washington. We also understand that the great Lafayette came by here. What, what were the uh, circumstances of his visit? Ooh, this, is, this is where I, I appreciate newspaper reporters at this time because we have all of these amazing little details of his visit to Alexandria. So he came in 1824. October 16th, to be specific. And he came to Alexandria and dined here at the City Tavern. So one account describes the scene when he arrives in town. The windows on all the streets were filled with ladies in their best attire who waved their handkerchiefs to the veteran as he passed. 
The newspapers tell us there's kids dressed in white with these blue and pink sashes with badges bearing Lafayette's face on them. They spread flower petals along his path as he walked into the hotel. I mean, hmm. it's wow. dang. Jeez. Dang. We expect flower petals next time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any flower petals. <laughs> none whatsoever. I'll saying. work on that the next time, guys. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but attendees to this dinner included all of our local officials, as well as the Secretary of State, John Quincy Adams, and George Washington Park Custis, George Washington's step-grandson. Yeah, I mean, wow. That was a big deal. Big, big it was, deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was a big deal all over the place when, you know. Yeah, I know he, he was making his big yeah. tour at the time. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Big deal wherever he went. And continue on this prosperity uh, trend for toasts. His toast to Alexandria was, may her prosperity and happiness more and more realize the fondest wishes of our venerated Washington. Speaking of famous guests like Lafayette, what other famous guests over the years or other presidents have, have visited here? So Harry Truman ah. attended Little Theater of Alexandria Productions mm-hmm. here on our uh, in our space. We've also had visits from first ladies. We've had uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, Betty Ford, and Rosalind Carter. But I always like to emphasize these spaces were really every class of person. They came to you know converge. They interacted. They lived here. So throughout our history, it really captures the stories of not only the famous people coming into our tavern, but also the everyday people, both free and enslaved, who really helped shape Alexandria and our country. So that's why I love telling tavern stories, because you can see this confluence of people all trying to live. And especially in early America, how does that look? All right, Liz, my first silly question for the for the episode. Was there tipping? Was there tipping back then? Did patrons add 20% or so to their bill? And of the five presidents that have dined here, who do you think the best and worst tipper would have been? <laughs> well, there actually was tipping back then. Oh. Not exactly how you envision it as okay. today, but there was. Uh, tipping was a thing in Europe. So for those who were widely traveled, they were familiar with this. Okay. We do have one reference associated with our space related to tipping. And thanks to Thomas Jefferson, who wrote down everything in his journal, mm-hmm. we know that he tipped 75 cents to the servants, really those are enslaved staff, when he stayed here overnight, January 2nd, 1801. So... We know it existed. We know Jefferson did it here. And uh, so there was tipping, but a slightly different uh, take. And um, to answer your second part of your question, as a fine lady, I'm (laughs) not going to speculate on the tipping qualities of our founders. I would say John Adams would be the worst, don't you think? Love John, but I think think he would probably be somewhat frugal. I would hope. All right, we'll have a debate later. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, so takeout is a big deal these days, right? Was there such a thing back then at Gatsby's? So not really. Travel it was exhausting in the 18th century and not very easy. So once you got to the place that you're trying to go, you kind of wanted to just chill and stay put and be with the people that you're coming to travel with. People didn't necessarily go out. And we did have restaurants in the 18th and 19th century, but it wasn't like today. Uh, there are plenty of places to pick up ready-made food here in Alexandria at this time, but you kind of had to go to a couple of different places to assemble your uh, dinner. 
And we certainly didn't have access to easy-to-go containers like we do today. So no saran wrap, no styrofoam boxes, <laughs> no compostable silverware. So, right. you know, it was a little, uh, the dynamics were a bit different. So today we have Hilton's and Marriott's and TripAdvisor's and Yelp, all sorts of outlets trying to get your business. So, but what kind of competition was there in, in Alexandria back then? Or was this the, the only place in town? Oh, there was a ton of competition. Yeah. A lot. There's a lot of taverns in town. Okay. So between 1782 and 1789, at least 40 new taverns opened for business with 40, with around an average of eight per year between 95 and 99. So taverns are plenty here in Alexandria. However, the thing to consider as the city was growing and there was a growing upper and middle class here in town, taverns began to cater to specific groups of people. So certain taverns became unofficially affiliated with different political sentiments of the day, uh, as well as different occupations. So basically, if you were a guy looking to network, you knew where the best places were in town, where to meet like-minded people. Interesting. So it kind of started segmenting itself out in the okay. early 19th century. Uh, division back then, even in the taverns. When Washington or Adams or Jefferson would walk in, would people even know who they were? I mean, there were, you know, there were no newspapers, uh, CNN and MSNBC and, right? Like, did, did people know, like, oh, wait, yeah, look, that's Jefferson. Well, George Washington, for sure, because he was, he was he, I mean, but he was a local guy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, right, yeah. right. considering Alexandria, we were we were a small town. We were a town and everybody knew everybody else. And George Washington was our a local resident. So people would have known him coming in for sure. Adams Jefferson, perhaps not not to the to the level unless you were like super toned in. But I don't even think there were like little little pictures in newspapers. You didn't necessarily see right. that when you read through period yeah. newspapers. So seeing an image of your president is not something that was, it didn't happen. you know, you didn't see it in the newspaper for sure. But George Washington, you, you absolutely would have known here in town because he, he was your neighbor. You saw him at the farmer's market, you know. Can you tell us about how the tavern was restored and opened again to the public? How much of it is original? How much of it is, you know, when was it restored? That kind of thing. So the two buildings were purchased by the American Legion in 1929, and they restored them through the Great Depression and ran them as a museum and gathering place. Then they donated them to the city of Alexandria in 1972 and at that point, they were restored again and reopened in 1976 for the nation's bicentennial celebrations. So a lot of the materials here are original or part of that restoration time period. So it was in decent shape when they took when they found it and started the renovation. Yes, it was decent enough. There was plenty of um, original materials. However, the one caveat to that is the room we're sitting in because the historic ballroom parts of it had been moved or really purchased and moved to New York City in the early 20th century because the the historic woodwork, because again, that connection to George Washington, yeah. the Metropolitan Museum of Art was very interested in our ballroom because they were starting to collect for their American wing. And they knew that his, the history of this room, the connection to George Washington, the beautiful craftsmanship of the woodwork so they approached the owners at the time 
purchased the woodwork and our 1792 front door and two mantles and uh, took it to New York. So when you go oh, to the okay. Met today, you can actually see our original woodwork oh, that's crazy. in the period rooms that they have. Look for the Alexandria Ballroom. Oh, like it's configured slightly different than here. But so when they restored it, they had to recreate some of that. And the, the ballroom woodwork that we currently have here is from that time period. But at least they had those pieces in New York that they could model. Yes, we had some really great after. measure drawings from Habs at that time. So, yeah. So obviously the dining room, because we're going to eat there later tonight uh, with some rum punch. And <laughs> But how can folks dine at the tavern? What, tell us about the dining experience today. So the restaurant is a separate operation from the museum, and it's on the first floor of the city tavern, the 1792 building. So there's three different rooms that you can have dinner in. I usually like to describe it as uh, period recipes for the modern palate. So we do a lot of work with the restaurant, with uh, programs and events that we do for you know foodways and that type of thing. So uh, I, it's a great experience. And the one thing I encourage you to um, check out, out one of the windows, you'll see on the corner of uh, Cameron and North Royal, our ice well. It was the commercial ice well, 11 by 17 feet, and it uh, housed a ginormous pile of ice that helped service the hotel. So uh, when you're dining in the restaurant, you can see it out of one of the corners. And you can visit that any time of the day. It's an outdoor feature. It's 24-7, and we get to tell the story of hospitality to you know folks at the farmer's market or riding their bike by, and it's a really... A nice way to engage with our history. What's your favorite meal down there? What's your favorite entree? What should I get? Oh, man. That's you have hard. to pick one. You can only pick one. Well, you know, if you're going to go all in, then you get the duck. The duck. Okay. Because right. uh, legend has it that was one of George Washington's, um, one of the meals he ate here. And so we always talk about canvasback duck. And so the restaurant has a duck uh, entree. Okay. I'll try it out. Uh, how can our listeners learn more? What What are your hours? Are you open all year long? That kind of thing. Well, I always encourage folks to go to our website. So we're part of the city of Alexandria. So you can uh, go to alexandriava.gov slash Gatsby's Tavern. It has all of our hours and information and ways to connect and planning your visit. We also have a really robust social media program. So if you're on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, uh, we're there as well. And, you know, we encourage you to come visit. And there's two different ways to experience the tavern. You can explore on your own, or we also have uh, guided tours offered throughout the week. So it's a really nice way to engage where visitors want to be. So if they want to learn more about uh, the Learned Pig, or our Civil War history, or more about the Met, then there's ways that uh, visitors can learn more about that as you um, move through the tavern at your own pace. Liz, do you have time? Can you show us around a little bit? Can we look at some different rooms? I can. Let's do it. All right, Alan. Exciting. You yes, I'm ready. All right, let's go. So we're here in the ballroom, and a couple fun details. So this is our musician's balcony. Okay. Uh, it was kind of a, a modern uh, architectural feature. A lot of English country homes who had the large ballrooms had musicians' galleries. So this is a, uh, an example of one of those. And again, you can see our original one at the Met. And we still use it today when we have English country dancing in this room. 
our musicians hop up into the gallery and play. And when we have breaks, they come down on the ladder and that's, that's great fun. English country dancing, what's, what's that like? Is it like uh, square dancing, Virginia Reel? What, oh, what is no. It? No, nothing no, like no. that. Huh? No. I like cool. to, no, I like to describe <laughs> English country dancing as a team sport Okay. because it's long way sets. So when you, you envision those Jane Austen ball, yes. you know, movie yes. scenes when you're watching those things mm-hmm. and you see the super long dancing and everyone's dancing at the same time, the same thing, that is English country dancing. Interesting. So we had long way sets in this room and you have to know your steps. That's an, it was a super important part of the 18th century is to know dancing and be good at it and know all the particular rules for it. And if you did not know a step, then you have pretty much racked your entire set of dancers because then you're going to bump into somebody else and then they're going to bump into somebody else and then it's a big show. We know Washington was a good dancer. Do we know about any of the other presidents who were here, their dancing abilities? I do not know their dancing abilities. I'm going to say they were all fantastic. We're in the East Bed Chamber, and this is in the 1792 building. So it's that fancier mm-hmm. rooms that I was talking about. And we interpret this space and we furnish this space, again, based on that 1802 inventory. Mm-hmm. We know exactly what was in this room. So that's what you see. A bed yeah, and a little table with a chair. Looks like um, plates and what is so that? A little tea yeah. service. Okay. Okay. And we know what was in this room on that inventory and because it's based on rooms. So if you get super close and for those who are listening online, you'll have to envision mm-hmm. my finger. going around the number eight. So this is room number eight, and then we know what was in it. Some people say this is the room where the female stranger died. Our excellent Alexandria urban legend. Mm -hmm. We do not have uh, the facts on that, but some people believe this is her room where she died in 1816. The other thing I wanted to mention, we also in this room talk about uh, when Thomas Jefferson stayed here, when he tipped the servants 75 mm-hmm, cents, mm-hmm. the the experience of, of that and, and the timing of that, because that was right before the election of 1800 figured itself out. Mm-hmm. So it was he was here in town in D.C., basically waiting for the House of Representatives to figure out what was going on. So him and a friend decided to travel and visit Martha Washington mm-hmm. and pay his respects at Washington's tomb and then on their way back they didn't make it all the way back so they stayed here so just the the dynamics of Mm -hmm. Jefferson visiting Martha Washington and the um, two sides of the political spectrum that they were at that point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what that conversation was and how much Madeira Jefferson might have drank that (laughs) (laughs) where are we going next so we're headed down the hallway, and we're going to hop into what we call the passage room, but it's really um, another bedchamber. But this is the space, it's kind of a transitional space that we use to begin the shift between the 1785 building and the 1792 building. So we kind of set the stage of the, the timing and what was happening in town from that uh, time to now. You have a huge portrait here. Who's that? That's my buddy, John. Oh, okay. All right. That is John Gatsby in his old years. 
Um, he was a young guy when he's running this tavern. And uh, this was painted by his grandson, John Gadsby Chapman, this a famous American painter. So this hung in the National Hotel, John's last hotel in D.C. I feel like he's here with us. The, the sunlight's right on his face, <laughs> illuminating him yes, for yeah. us. I was Pretty about amazing. to say, yeah. it's 4.45 p.m. right now, and the sun is directly on his face. He's, kind of creepy. He's looking at us, yeah. No, Hello, John. Make sure we have UV okay. light on our windows. No, sure. right. But I do say hi to him every morning um, as I head into the office. So. <laughs> hi, John. Hello, John. Okay. Hi, John. We're two. So we're going to go back in time. This is the time warp door. There's a door that we put in, well, not we, but was put in to help facilitate museum traffic. So originally this door between the 85 and the 92 building did not exist. Uh, they were so always separate. Um, okay businesses mm -hmm. okay so now we're in the assembly room so this again that entertainment space on the second floor of our 1785 tavern everything and anything happened in the space the very first event was a ball and in here we talk about kind of the entertainments of the day in the 18th century that was wide-ranging but my personal favorite and it is why it is in this room, is uh, Toby the Learned Pig. Toby was a learned pig, trained, uh, uh, came from England. So there were learned pigs entertaining people in England, and they brought the concept to America. You would often see the learned pigs in taverns. We have no reference, which is a huge bummer that Toby came here. But we do know a learned pig was enter, you know, entertaining guests at a tavern across the street. Wow. So we claim it and to educate the public on the variety of entertainments uh, of the day. Oh, I got to say, the pig could spell, add, read minds. It was really amazing. Okay. And I highly recommend everyone learn more about learned pigs because it's awesome. crazy fun. I think so, Gadsby's today needs to get one and bring it here for events. We did have, we did actually have a, a live learned pig for a children's program a number of years ago. And, Pam, and how did it work? It was amazing. Good. Uh, Pam the Learned Ham was her name. And she was here in the assembly room and was spelling and doing math and reading minds. And it was really cool to experience it in this room. All right. The interesting part of this room it didn't last very long as a large slash small room because yeah. we have evidence when I mean, you look on the floor of tack marks and you can see that this room was segmented ah. into smaller rooms. Okay. And uh, based on the architectural evidence and looking at primary documents, we suspect that was pretty quickly or early 19th century, John Wise realized, you know, there were other larger spaces where people could have events starting to appear in Alexandria. And this room is just too small for, for things, perhaps. And he can make more money segmenting this and making it either into a hotel space or um, meeting rooms or that type of thing. So um, this information is really important to us to kind of see the evolution of the tavern spaces and how they were utilitarian. I mean, it was a, this was a business. So we don't have fancy Chippendale chairs or, you know, all these amazing architectural things because we were at the, at a root hotel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when a new tavern keeper would come in, they'd, you know, refresh and yeah, maybe right. get some new furniture, right. you know, <laughs> modernize things. And, and that's how, you know, the movement of the space was. 
So I wondered, I meant to ask you this earlier, you mentioned the ice well. The kitchen part where the food was prepared, was it part of the building or was it separate from it? I know back then often kitchens were separated in some way. Yeah, it was a separate building, a large separate building um, from us. And we know from fire insurance records, there's a map of our facility. So we know the size of the kitchen. We know there was a really large stable, a laundry room, the uh, house where John Gatsby and his family lived. Mm-hmm. So we know what the complex looked like and the sizes of those things. Where to next? Let's go upstairs to the uh, our dormer, we call it, but really it's the lodging room here in the 1785 building. Given the, um, you know, your experience, the ambiance, this room is actually our hands-on room. So we encourage folks to hop in bed, experience it out. So this room, we have, I like to talk about the, you know, when you look around these spaces, especially after you've seen the lodging rooms downstairs, the experience of staying in a room in the summer or in the winter and looking in, a, in this room and what is here and what is missing. So in the winter, because we're cold now, is there a fireplace to keep you warm in this no, room? No, not at all. So, so that's why you were talking about its reverse of penthouse as we know it today. And the evolution and the yeah. kind of the the um, expectations of travel. The expectations by 1792 were that you would have a fireplace. Yeah. And there was a fireplace in the East Bed Chamber when we were looking around. Mm-hmm. So it's this evolution of travel uh, you can see in these two uh, buildings, which is kind of nerdy cool for me. Um, but yeah, so this this space has no fireplace to keep you hot, you know, warm. You kind of would get river breezes in the summer because you could open up these windows, but um, and then the ceilings are lower. Yeah, I was gonna say as a six foot three man, it's what what is the ceiling? Six foot four? Yeah, I think I have not an inch. A lot of room up there. Yeah. Love it. Okay, where to? So let's head back downstairs. All right. We'll go down to the first floor. So this is the public dining room. So this is where all the guys, the white guys, would be hanging out and discussing politics, news of the day, drinking and eating and the enslaved staff would be coming to serve them. This is the public space, so there was a wide variety of movement of people coming in here. So there wasn't a lot of control, which will come up later when we go across the hallway. Okay. But here we talk about, again, this, what is happening in town and in the nation in 1785? What are the types of things people are talking about in here? Um, the types of food that you're eating? and where it's all coming from and how it's getting into this space. So what kind of food are we, what, what was the most popular food you think when people came here? Well, it's seasonal. So yeah. what was available at the time? And we have some information on kind of what was available here throughout the year. Thomas Jefferson, again, because he's a super nerd, wrote down everything that he could buy in the farmer's market when he was in, uh, president mm-hmm. in DC. So that gives us a you know, general sense. Yeah, sure. And again, that archeology span in the back, mm-hmm. 
uh, we know that beef was popular, uh, oysters were popular, uh, rum, rum punch and then into whiskey punch uh, after the Revolutionary War. They're drinking wines, they're drinking beers, they're drinking ciders. We have um, very few original documents to know what those like those tavern bills were and if you know there's more of them out there i will take them <laughs> uh, so we can know more about what people were eating and drinking and you know put getting put on their hotel bill so was it breakfast lunch and dinner it was breakfast dinner and supper okay that's right supper not dinner as we know it today so breakfast in the morning and then dinner around three o'clock and then supper was basically your leftover snacky foods. Two main meals a day. And you could get those here. Yes. So across the hall, so I was mentioning this is the public space. So now we're going to go across the hall to the private room. Oh, a little fancier. Spot on. There yeah. you go. So instantaneously people can see it is fancier. Yeah. It's smaller room, but it, it provides a space for business activities to occur. So that's that private room. Mm -hmm. So the tavern keepers could make some additional cash in a room like this because then they could rent it out or offer a, a nicer dinner for more money, yeah. which is really what the tavern keeper is looking for is money. Mm -hmm. So the private rooms were used in that way. And as I had mentioned about kind of this unaffiliated segmentation of taverns, different clubs would start, would meet at taverns. So this room would be one of those places that the Washington Society and different, uh, the St. Andrews Society met in a place like this. As you talk about all this, about it being a business and getting a little more money, it is amazing how it's still the same, right? I mean, yeah. hotels and yeah. restaurants, they yeah. still do private rooms and dining to try and squeeze a little more money out of entertaining clients. Yeah, yep. Some things never change. Now, I always, I always wonder, when you look back on this, how the room was lit. I know, obviously, they're using candles. There's a candle in the middle of the table we're seeing. Would there be other candles on the wall or on the other side table? How would they light this at night? So it's, we, get, we can get some information from the, the restoration work because mm -hmm. when there's ghost marks, you can see things. Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly... We didn't necessarily see ghost marks or from the, the early restoration documents. There weren't necessarily marks that would indicate there was something attached to the wall. So like mm -hmm. a sconce of some sort. Yeah. So most likely it was in the room and you made it work. Right. But here we like to talk, you know, we can show that there's matching chairs mm -hmm. and that's uh, finer pieces here compared to the public dining room. So you can kind of get that that sense of the shift of the expectations in this room compared to uh, the more open spaces across the hall. And where are we going now, Liz? So we're going to go to the coolest place in Alexandria, uh, our ice well. So John Wise, when he was financing the construction of the city tavern, also decided he should have a really large ice well as part of his operation. So at the corner of Cameron and North Royal Streets, you can see the outline um, in stone of the circumference of the really large ice well. And there is a small tunnel that um, connects it to the basement of our 1792 tavern. 
and it is a very small little tunnel. And then we'll go down and you can see, you can peer into the ice well. This uh, piece was um, taken out in the 1970s so oh, people could see cool. down into that. the well. How, how far into the year could they get with the ice? It really depended on how efficient you were at packing it in. Because yeah. you could get the ice from the Potomac River. Enslaved men would cut it and then bring it up by cart and then drop it in a little hatch on the top of the, the street surface and then drop it down into the well. And then um, for ice preservation purposes, you oftentimes would mold it um, into a big ice blob, um, <laughs> cover it with straw or um, wood shavings to try to insulate it. And at this time, the early 19th century, we were having a middle, mini ice age. Mm -hmm. So it was colder. Mm -hmm. So we know John Gatsby was selling ice to Alexandria residents in uh, June and sold it for apparently eight cents, which was highway robbery. And then people were <laughs> crapping about it. <clears throat> but it, he felt comfortable enough to sell it to people. So obviously he had enough for his yeah, hotel right that he was like yeah. you know i'll just make again make a couple extra dollars and sell it to mm -hmm. alexandria residents well, I can, sounds like a smart businessman does so. yeah, a very very um general question for you why is this important as we think about the presence or our history why is it important to be able to see spaces like this and engage with them now I think what really resonates for me is America was never predestined. You know, we're, we're here because of hundreds of years of, of work of everyday people. Mm -hmm. And the story of this tavern, especially in 1785 and, you know, it's moving forward. Literally, America was like, okay, we just, we just gave birth to America. What do we, mm -hmm. what do we do now? Yeah. And, what decisions are we going to make and how are we going to be as a nation? And as we look toward the 250th anniversary, I think it's an important question. You know, have we lived into our constitution? Mm -hmm. What were the, you know, our goals forming as a nation of, you know, we the people, what does that yeah. mean? We explore some of those questions through the lens of the tavern spaces because those are the conversations they're having in the public dining rooms in a ballroom setting. We just defeated the British. What do we do next? Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I'm, not to be cliche, but I mean, really, we're sitting here in this private dining room and literally if these walls could talk, right? Yeah. I mean, the deals, the conversations that truly could have shaped our nation. Yes. That, that most did. likely did. That absolutely did. They did. You know, the business dealings, the, we know the Potomac Company met here a number of times, and that was, you know, trying to open up the West through canal work. And, you know, that didn't work out, but, you know, that was trying to, you know, that's expansion of America. So those decisions, those conversations, those, how do we expand? What are we going to do? How is this going to work? Who are we going to hire? Who are we going to enslave to, you know, get to that end goal? Those decisions absolutely were happening in all of these rooms. It's an absolutely beautiful 
Museum, beautiful place. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us here today. This was fun. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> we appreciate it. Hopefully, you had a good time here on American Potters. You had a good time. Fantastic. Okay, good. We need a good review. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Five <Liz>. stars. <laughs> Old Town Alexandria, Virginia, has always been one of my favorite places. I used to live not far away from that historic town just across the river from Washington, D.C. A few blocks from the mighty Potomac River in Alexandria, you can find Gatsby's Tavern and its terrific museum. We're fortunate that good men and women have come together to preserve this place and to tell its story. So much history has happened there. When you walk through the rooms of the tavern, you walk in the footsteps of men like Washington and Jefferson, Burr and Hamilton. So why is that important? Why is it vital that we preserve these old places? Why not just tell the story in a nice new building or perhaps just record the history and put it online? Those approaches are good to consider and incorporate in the world of museums and education, but at the end of the day, nothing compares to the real thing. Going into a place like Gatsby's Tavern is like stepping into the past until a time machine is created and everyone please note, I call dibs on using that machine. Preserving these historic places is the best way to step into the shoes of those who came before us, to understand them and their world. So when you get a chance, visit Alexandria, go to Gatsby's Tavern, enjoy its museum, and for goodness sake, have dinner there. The food and drink are excellent, and you just might catch a glimpse of the past sitting next to you. Thanks for listening to this special road trip episode of the American POTUS podcast. We'd like to thank Liz Williams for joining us to talk about Gadsby's Tavern. More information on the restaurant and the museum in Old Town Alexandria can be found on AmericanPOTUS.org. And we would like to thank all of you that have made a tax-deductible financial contribution to support this podcast. In addition to this show, your generosity helps us develop new groundbreaking podcast shows and revolutionary outreach programs offering clarity and perspective to today's political conversations. If you'd like to contribute, it's easy. Simply visit AmericanPOTUS.org. We appreciate your help. American POTUS is produced by American History Studios, graphic design by Crowdler Design, and original music score by Jonathan Clark Music. Finally, it's our presidential last word from George Washington's diary in 1799. Quote, went up to Alexandria to the celebration of my birthday. Many maneuvers were performed by the Uniform Corps and an elegant ball and supper at night. <laughs>